Cougs house. All right. Houston wins big on the road at SMU. Sweeps the ponies on the season. And Marcus asked for the big game in his hometown. Let's break it all down. You are Locked On Cougs, your daily podcast on the Houston Cougars. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to Locked On Cougars, daily podcast about your Houston Cougars. I'm your host, Houston-born teacher and coach, Parker Andrews. Hit to break down all things Cougs. If you're a U of H fan or just a hater came to by, please be sure to subscribe down below. That way we can delay us on the Cougs in your newsfeed each and every day. We appreciate you making Locked On Cougs your first listen of the day. Welcome back to the YouTube channel. It's good to see you again. We are at about 650 subscribers. When we get to 750, we're doing a giveaway every 250, right? We're going to give away uh, the Galen Robinson design Letterman jacket. We got a size XL to give away. Um, so I know that's you know, like a little limiting to some, but it, it maybe fits a little bit like a snug large. I don't know. Oh, size XL to give away. We're going to give it away to someone when we get to 750. So hit subscribe down below so we can get 750 subs. And Along the way, you got to be commenting and liking videos. That way we know you're in the contest. If you watch this whole video and you can't think of anything to say about beating the ponies for a second time, uh, tell me if you'd rather be delayed 12 hours in the airport or have your bags lost for a few days. All right. Now, in doing all of this, um, I admit that like I think a lot of Cougar fans are looking forward to Sunday's game against Memphis. Um, but we do need to wrap up what we have against SMU because, frankly, that's probably the last time we'll play SMU in Dallas for the foreseeable future. And it's a rivalry I kind of enjoy winning. <laughs> um, so I, I want to talk about that some. Uh, so in the first segment, we're going to talk about just some stars tonight, key performances, those kinds of things. Uh, guys that you know highlight real type of guys. Second segment is going to be looking at like what was different in this game and the first game because there were some differences. And there was a moment where we're like, oh, God, don't, don't blow this thing. And then the third segment, I want to kind of revisit this whole comparison of the basketball games and the football games. And then we might look ahead a little bit to Memphis over the weekend. So in the first segment, let's talk about some of the guys that really, really stood out. Now, I did game thread this like I always do. However, um, <laughs> aside from commenting on the camera angle a couple times, there were stretches where it felt like both offenses were stagnant, which made offensive performances stick out a little bit. Emmanuel Sharp did not have his normal impact from beyond the arc, I should say. Um, he was... Two of six from three-point line, which I guess is still 33%. Um, that's below his average for sure. And um, honestly, with how many minutes he played, he played 22 minutes on the night, I kind of thought he'd be more in the you know three for seven uh, you know, kind of range, uh, maybe three for eight. But I, I kind of thought he'd be pulling that up a little bit. Um, it gets more shots off from me on three-point arc because that's mostly what he shoots. Um, but Emmanuel Sharp gets mentioned as one of our stars tonight. Because of the defensive intensity he brought, the reason he was able to play 22 minutes and take some of the load off of Tremont Mark and some of the load off of Marcus Sasson, some of the load off of Jamal Shedd, and fill in for the fact that obviously Ramon Walker is still uh, using his red shirt on this season, and Terrence Arsenault hurt his ankle last week and is not able to play. He was able to stay on the floor because he was playing tremendous defense. Um, he was really, really getting after defensively, diving on the floor for loose balls, poking at rebounds, getting the ball stripped out of people's hands. Um, it has down the has no steals, but he must have had deflection that led to a steal, if I'm thinking about the play correctly. Um, 
anyway, I, I thought I was I thought it was interesting to see the growth of Manuel Sharp's defense in this game. We think of him as a sharp shooter, no pun and little pun intended, but um it was certainly nice to see him grow and develop on that. And remember, this guy had a traumatic broken leg like 14 months ago. So that he's even running at this kind of speed and level and pace is kind of remarkable. Um, great to watch him get out there and run around. Uh, Jarris Walker, um, what can you say about this guy? He dominated the first game. And so there was part of me was wondering, could he have that kind of a game again? Clearly, SMU game planned him a little bit better this time around. He had just 14, just 14, just 14 points on 10 shots but had two timely threes um could have had a couple more if he made his free throws but he had four rebounds and a pair of assists but uh, the biggest play of the night like a play that will probably make your sports from top 10 as you're listening to this and you flip over to the tv yeah i'm sure it's up there right now um is to open up second half jamal shed drove for a no look lob and he cocked that thing way way back on top of it uh that was quite a way to open the half um really really like silenced any crowd momentum that SMU had coming out of halftime where they thought they could, you know, talk themselves into having a chance. They did kind of have a chance later. We'll get to that second segment, but big, big momentum swinger from Jarris there. Jamon Mark had his, uh, you know, more mundane, 11 points on eight shots. You know, he's had better nights scoring basketball um, and in, in his short career, because I guess he's, it's, what was it? Uh, coach was saying he's like technically a third semester, fourth. I don't know. Coach counts his years a little differently. Um, but in his 28 minutes, he had 11 points and nine rebounds. Um, now, Tremont is 6'5 and long-limbed, but nine rebounds from the small forward spot is not something I would ever think to guarantee. And that's an awesome, awesome impact from him because, frankly, SMU had more length than Houston did. Yes, they didn't start anyone else. Like They were about 6'9", Houston was 6'9", but they were bigger at the other positions aside from center and Shaman Mark getting after on the glass, and it was just hustle and effort. It wasn't like lucking into balls here or whatever. It was identifying where the balls come off the rim, sprinting to a spot, and leaping full-out body going horizontal on the ground at one point on one of them. I mean, just effort, effort, effort on rebounds. Great, great to see. Marcus Sasser in his last game in Dallas, unless you, he's from Red Oak, so unless you want to count uh, the you know, American Athletic Conference tournament in Fort Worth, it, it, all the Metroplex, um, but just up the road, up by 35 from his hometown in Dallas. Uh, he had 20 points uh, and, you know, 20 points with eight free throws because he was the guy making free throws on the stretch. A um, couple key threes, but the step back crossover three he had on TV it was the top corner was right in front of the Houston bench. Another crowd silencer. I mean, just he gets the ball. He takes a jab to his right foot, crosses back right to left. And the defense looks like they have no idea where he's going. They just lost where Marcus Sasser was while he had the ball right in front of them. Step back for three. Pro, pro move if there were any in the game. Um, tremendous, tremendous effort scoring basketball. But I think the reason I also put him on my star list here is because, frankly, uh, down the stretch, we'll get to the second segment, but SMU put on a full court press and he was kind of the guy Houston had to rethink out those free throws was he was the guy Houston had to rely on to break the press. I don't know that Houston can hold on to win this game without him in their breaking said press. So shafts to Mark Sasser there. And then Jamal shed. Now I could talk about Jamal a lot and frequently, but um, at halftime, Jamal had 11 points and Houston had built a big lead and they kind of rode that cushion for a long time. Right. The other thing I'll say too, is that in a game, where most of Houston's good possessions, Houston made 27 shots and had 17 assists, right? Most of Houston's good shots came off of assisted baskets. 
Jamal Shedd had eight of the 17 assists and just one turnover. True, true point guard play at the highest level. We're going to talk about this a lot this season. We've talked about a lot this season to date. Um, but the growth of him into a true traditional point guard and the role he fills on this team now and his assist to turnover ratio for a guy that has the ball in his hands as much as Jamal does is just remarkable. He's a junior. I think he'll be back next season as a senior. I don't think he's going to pros yet. But this dude is a pro basketball player at some level. And I can't believe that NBA scouts continue to look past him because he doesn't have crazy long arms. He's not 6'4". He's not, but he gives the basketball to his teammates in their spots to score and doesn't give it to anyone else. And I just that's just what you need out of a point guard that also guards the other team's best player for large stretches of the game. Like He's a tremendous, impactful player that just impacts winning in a way that's truly remarkable. And I enjoy watching Central Texas' own Jamal Shedd play so, so much. So shout out to Jamal Shedd there. Now, I want to get some into the X's and O's about what happened specifically in this game that made it a little bit different than the first time the Ponies and the Cougs met up uh, a little over a month ago. But first, let's talk about our buddies at FanDuel. Now, FanDuel is the best sports book in America. It's the number one sports book in America. And we're at the midway point of the NBA season. It's the perfect time to download FanDuel. Customer, new customers get a no-sweat first bet up to $1,000. It's bonus bets back if your first bet doesn't win. Just download the FanDuel Sports app. It's safe, secure, and super easy to use. Then you can bet on everything from money line to point scores to three drained, etc. Now, this weekend, I don't know if I'm going to like put money on Team Giannis or Team LeBron. LeBron has won most of these uh, All-Star Weekend matchups. They have locked the spread because you don't know who's on both teams yet because they're doing the draft before the game starts. And I would argue that's the way to do it. It's like a pickup game that way. But what I will say is they set the over-under at 323.5. I'm definitely going over here. A um, couple things. One, I understand that the Elam ending has brought the over-under number down in, year, in recent years because 24 is low scoring for the fourth quarter, tr- typically in this game. But... The last handful of NBA All-Star games have been places like Vegas, right? Places that people like to go party. And I don't mean to be judging what they're doing the night before or for the weekend, but I imagine it's not the highest level of focus on scoring the basketball. In Salt Lake City, a lot of those distractions are fairly limited, we'll say. And I think the first three quarters will be noticeably more high scoring and even better shooting than the last handful of All-Star games will be. So I understand that the Elam ending has made the fourth quarter a lower scoring quarter than traditional All-Star games. But I think the first three All-Star games and three first three quarters of the All-Star game in Salt Lake will be such high scoring quarters that I'm going over 323 and a half. I know it's crazy going on the over an All-Star game. Yeah, stuff shake your head at me. It's a good reason. But I'm taking the over in the All-Star game and I'm doing it at FanDuel Sportsbook. FanDuel lets you combine bets for a chance at bigger payouts with the same game parlay. So once the teams get picked, you can go in and actually add stuff in as well. Don't miss the chance to get your no-sweat first bet up to $1,000 in bonus bets when you go to FanDuel.com slash locked on. That's FanDuel.com slash locked on to learn more. Make every moment more with FanDuel, official sports betting partner of the NBA. March Madness is right around the corner. If you want to win your office pool, you need to stay caught up with all the college basketball action with the Locked On College Basketball Podcast. Every Monday, Andy Patton and Isaac Shade recap the biggest stories in college basketball, keep you up to date on the NCAA tournament bubble, and get you ready for the upcoming week of games. 
from the Big East to the Mountain West and everywhere in between, Andy and Isaac have college hoops covered on the Locked On College Basketball Podcast. Available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. All right, so I said in the second segment, I want to do a little bit of looking at what was different because this game was different. Uh, The first game, Houston won by 34 points. And I I said in the preview, I said in the postgame when it happened back on January 5th, 34 points is closer than the game ever felt, right? Houston came out and blitzed them early, ran away with it early, and never looked back. Uh, It was 24 to 2 at one point in the, you know, five or six minutes in, right? Just nothing. Right, just kind of coasted after that. Did a starter play one starter play to more than 25 minutes? That was Marcus Sasser played 26 minutes in that game. Right in the second game, these two teams played all of the starters played 26 or more minutes. Right, um, and frankly, Shed and Sasser each played 35. Um, Houston wins by 15, 80 to 65. Now, I told you guys yesterday in the FanDuel spot, I thought it'd be more like a 20 point game. And Houston shot 61% from the free throw line. Had they just made their stinking free throws, it probably is. So I feel it's make your free throws. Um, but I said to say that like something clearly changed. And it's not just changing home venues because that's not a 20-point difference. Going for a 34-point win to a 15-point win tells us a little bit more about how SMU's grown than it tells us about anything about Houston. Now, I do think there were trap game elements to what happened Houston on Thursday night. Memphis on Sunday is the biggest game of the conference season. And I say that knowing they lost to Temple once, right? That's the, that's Lenardi's got them as the team in. You win both those games at this point in the season, especially you're probably a number one seed in the tournament, right? Um, I think that could have played something to it, but um, Kelvin Sampson noted the ball movement as well. He said they only had 17 assists or he said that they only got their good baskets off of assists in this game. They had 27 baskets, and 17 assists. I think that, you know, when you factor in, like, you got some guys, you're going to get a couple of ISO buckets that some are going to take one too many dribbles and kill the assist. All those things count. Um, and so I think that's fairly fair. But in the first game, Houston ironically also had 17 assists and 31 made baskets. So I don't know that that's necessarily the biggest indicator that the assist, the raw number. And I don't mean to say Samson's no idea is talking about. It. He's a very good basketball coach. Hall of Fame basketball coach knows a lot more than me. But... I do think what's interesting in that is it's not necessarily the assists, but how they happen. There weren't a whole lot of hockey assists. There weren't a whole lot of pass to the pass kind of movements. Um, And to be fair, SMU played a lot less zone. And since SMU played a lot less zone defense, there's a lot more dribbling involved. Um, Moreover, the actions on the high screens that Houston was running were trying to get the ball into the nail to kick out to the opposite corner or to kick out to the opposite slot for threes, right? Houston shot the ball 33.3% from three. That's pretty strong. Um, but what I think that's interesting about looking at that is that um, what you'd hope that would lead to is catch and shoot. But Houston attempted just 30 of their 55 shots from beyond the three-point line. I know that that sounds like a high percentage, but for this team and that strategy – that actually means that SMU was kind of running them into more of a mid-range or in more like pound pull-up kind of looks and stuff like that. And those are harder shots. They're not in the same kind of rhythm. And frankly, it takes a really, really, really good shooter to be able to pound pull-up in any direction. Now, you can do like a drill where you just do pound pull-ups in the mid-range, and that's one thing. But it takes a really, really good shooter to do that in a reactionary sense live. Um, 
And so I think that's more what Samson means by the best shots or the assisted shots in his post-game talk and his post-game availability. Um, I do think it's kind of weird that the assist numbers are the exact same between games. Do you think so? Tell me down below. Um, the other thing I think is interesting in this one is, um, like I mentioned in my frustration with the betting, <laughs> um, Houston shot 79% from the free throw line in their first matchup with SMU at home. And mainly home baskets, you understand it. You feel you know like the line of sight, all that kind of stuff's normal. Uh, on the road in this game, they shot 61.5% from the free throw line. Uh, had they shot roughly 80% from the free throw line in this game, uh, they would have added when you factor in like one on ones because I know both Marcus and Jarris missed some one on one, uh, missed the front end of one on ones. Um, you could easily add eight to ten points just on putting in free throws. And I know that we will labor this point a lot whenever Houston plays below their own standard, but that's going to hurt at some point, and I just hope it doesn't hurt that bad. Um, now in this game, Houston wins by fifteen. You know, they make those eight extra points. I guess they win by 23. And so it's like, that's gravy. And Ainsworth wins its bet. But what I do think is interesting there is that um, it wasn't. Okay. There's one key player in the lineup that got free throws that shot a poor percentage from free throws. Like Reggie Chaney went 0 for 2. Emmanuel Sharp went 1 for 2. Javier Francis went 1 for 2. Right. Those happened. Uh, Jamal Shedd didn't get any free throws. I wish you got a call here or there, but it, he didn't. Jawan Roberts didn't get any free throws. I wish you got a call here or there, but he didn't. Uh, Jarris Walker went over two from the free throw line, both in one and one situations. Uh, Tremont Mark, six of seven. Marcus Sasser, eight of 11. Of the starting five, that over two, which could have been four for four because of one and ones, is really, really important and really, really sticks out. And Jarris Walker's a teenager. I'm not saying it's easy to do on the road in a hostile environment, although SMU Pony fans, do y'all show up to home games? Um, but I do think that while we're giving the crowd a hard time, the different environment hurts. And um, frankly, we've seen games where Jarris shoots the ball very well. This could have just been the anomaly. But that did hurt the Cougs as far as their offense goes, as far as their scoring numbers go, because if you have 84, 65, suddenly it's a 19 point game. That looks a little bit different. Right. Um, and frankly, if he does that and Jamal shed gets, you know, four free throws and goes three for four, suddenly it's a 22 point game. It's a whole lot different. Um, calls in quite get Jamal sheds free throw line, but that's neither here nor there. Um, I do think that if Houston had shot the ball better from three or gotten threes off, um, you know, say they shoot 38% or 40, cause, Emmanuel Sharp gets one or two more off, or I don't know, let's say Jamal Shed goes two of four instead of one of four or something, right? Then suddenly they, the SMU Mustangs probably change their defense up, and that leads to different type of offense. And, you know, we saw what Houston did to them in their zone last time. The last way this thing was noticeably different or discernibly different in how they played it was down the stretch. Let me make sure I pull my stats here to make sure I'm right. Um, but Houston was up fairly comfortably large. And we kind of felt like, oh, like, okay, this one's in the bag. We got Houston on Sunday. No one rolled their ankle. And then SMU goes into a press. And I'm trying to pull it up exactly because uh, it's about five, just under five minutes, four and a half minutes, right? Uh, Emery Lanier makes his, is that son of Rob Lanier? Let me know in the comments below um, because that'd be the coach's kid. Uh, Makes his free throws and then, Immediately, they start fouling Houston in the press, not necessarily on purpose, 
But at that point, Houston is up 15. Um, and the press, right, turned the ball over just enough times. And Houston gave up some dead leg defense open shots or fouls for free throws. Like JV had a couple fouls or whatever in those final four and a half minutes where the lead was suddenly cut to 11 and then, uh, then 12 and hover around 10 for a second with about two and a half minutes left. Now in college basketball, 12 points is four shots. If, you, if you've got a good shooter and SME has a couple. And so there was a moment there where it felt much, much closer than the game had been for most of the second half. And that press did look like it rushed or worried Houston a little bit um, because there were several times where instinctively the ball goes through the net and Jamal Shea would take it out or the ball goes through the net and Tremon Mark would take it out. And those are guys that are very actively involved in Houston's press break. Um, And then because of that, they'd get the ball to Sasser in the corner by the SMU bench. And Houston was just kind of relying on Sasser being Sasser to get out of the trap. He did that. A lot of times he got fouled in doing it and got to the free throw line a couple of different times. However, the way they handle the press does worry me. Memphis is going to press on Sunday, right? And other teams that will watch that will say, hey, maybe we can get them in some spots with this throughout the game. Maybe not press the whole game, all 94 feet, because Houston's athletic and in shape and deep and all those things. But like we can throw them spots, right? And that worries me some by the way this one went because that press and defensive intensity SMU did never, never gave up, did not give up in this game that could shorten windows. And if it's a better team than the nine and 18 SMU Mustangs, that could be worrisome, right? That's the part I'm taking out of this. I'm like, Oh man, don't make me pull more hair out. I don't got a hall left. Don't make me pull more hair out. Right now that said, um, you could see in the way Samson was talking about things throughout timeouts and stuff down the stretch that, I think it's safe to say they'll intend on fixing some of those. <laughs> um, he was cool, calm, collected the start of that five minute run. And then by about halfway through was just like, listen, this y'all are too good about team. Let this thing happen. I was ripping into people a little bit. Right. Um, I will say when Jerk Phelps made a three to cut it to 74 to 63, there was a part of me that was like, crap, he's going to go off right here at me. Like that was a minute 48 left. He had hit a transition pull-up three right after uh, Jamon Mark free throws and cut the lead a little bit. And I was like, oh, yikes. Um, and so, you know, if that's uh, that's Memphis this weekend, I'm probably worried again. Um, before we get into some weird coincidences, I guess in the third time I say, we're going to get some weird coincidences between this game and the football game and then, like, start to lead into Memphis, which will be a preview in a moment. So let's get into that. Um, in the football game, and I did this after the first, uh, what the first uh, b- basketball game on January fifth. The football game was seventy-seven points for SMU, sixty-three points for Houston. Okay, the first basketball game was eighty-seven points for Houston and fifty-three points for SMU. That's exactly one hundred forty to one hundred forty for combining the two scores. Exactly. That's bananas. How did that work out that way? It's exactly 140-140. So, in a lot of ways, the second basketball game tonight was the rubber match between the men's athletic programs, and Houston won by 15 points. Um, Now, interestingly enough in that, um, (laughs) Houston wins by 15 points in the combo. Um, Houston, in both basketball games, outscored the SMU football offense. Uh, But... SMU 
on Thursday finally scored more points in basketball than SMU's football team scored in their football matchup. Weird, weird, weird. Right, 65, 6. Basketball in the second game for SMU, 65. Football for Houston, 63. Um, Houston win the overall matchup by 15 points. I at least feel good about it. If we're never going to see these guys again, I can feel my confident my head held high that unlike a year ago, unlike a couple years ago, like we won the matchup on the whole. I wish you won the football game. You can go back and watch the recap to that one because I have my concerns about that football game. But anyway, we won. Um, the other thing that's interesting here is it <laughs> um I don't I don't know how often you have games like that add up to something like exactly 140, exactly 140. Um, but I do think based on looking at things on Twitter, other people were picking up on this too. Like this was an important game for them. And I think those people are mostly just Houston folks. It was 140, 140. And I don't think that the ponies understood that aspect of it. Um, not that it matters for anything outside of bragging rights, but you saw, you saw and heard the who's house chants in Dallas. And I think that's the bragging right point in and of itself. Right. Um, so fun, fun time there. Um, obviously the football score in the Memphis game was a little bit different. So we got two games against Memphis in the next two, three weeks, three weeks, no, yeah, two weeks, two, no, three weeks, uh, in the next three weeks. Um, and so in doing that, I guess we got to kind of recalculate how those things go. I will say that I did see, and this is why I haven't done the pregame kind of stuff yet Kendrick Davis did not finish the Memphis UCF game on Thursday night because he was in a boot right that's one college basketball score that will impact his Memphis escaped against UCF uh scoring with seven seconds left to win that basketball game and I still understand how they stole the ball with that that's not anything right there but Kendrick Davis their leading scorer one of the top scorers in the country da 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 he missed the end of the game in a boot and walked off the court in crutches per reports from people in Memphis. I kind of like to play him with them on the floor, um, but I also kind of want to win. I'd like to beat them with him on the floor, I guess is the like perfect option. Um, so we'll see. Uh, we'll see what his availability is on Sunday. Um, I will say my intention is to record some sort of a preview that comes out over the weekend before that game. The game's at 2 o'clock on Sunday. Um, no Super Bowl, no football window. So I guess the XFL is on, but like, you know, Go, go gamblers, I guess. But um, is that USFL? I'm getting all confused now. There is non-NFL football this weekend, but the big game is Houston Memphis on Sunday. And then the on Sunday, and the All-Star game is, the NBA All-Star game is that night. Um, the other thing I'll say, too, is uh, other scores that impact, obviously, on Wednesday night, Tennessee beating Alabama. It's fairly big for Houston. Uh, and then on Thursday night, Maryland beat Purdue because apparently everyone beat Purdue. <laughs> now um, that happened. So theoretically, this will be another moment where Houston is playing on Sunday for the number one overall ranking on Monday. Now, I've talked ad nauseum at this point across the season about why that kind of matters. Um, SMU being in the conference they're in needs to have national recognition that they're good because they are really good, but otherwise they, they could get seated poorly. And I understand that we all care more about being number one in April, right? But a big part of that is seeding and what your region looks like and bracket looks like. And to have the better play at that, you need to have people understanding, accepting how good you are. And I see the A people as a way to look at that. And I think that if things break right, beating Memphis should get us there. Um, again, I'd like to get a preview out. It'll be a bonus linked episode. So, you know, 
10 to 15 minutes sometime before Sunday's basketball game. I'm waiting on a couple things, uh, including any word out on what Kendrick Davis's injury are. So you can find me on Twitter to let me know those kinds of things. If you see something, don't keep it a secret, Sp- share it and uh, spread it around. But you can find me on Twitter at Painsworth512. That's P A I N S W O R T H 512 on Twitter, Instagram, and all your various social media handles. Be happy to talk Cougs, basketball, football, confidence realignment, Big 12, all those kind of fun things. Uh, Rockets. Astros, I guess we're in the the Rockets and the Rising Stars game. This we can talk about that as well. Uh, I got Wallace sneakers, Miami hip hop, whatever you want. I'll talk about it whenever you find me at Painsworth Five Two P A I N S W R T H Five One Two. Thank you all so much for being locked on Cougs. Your first listen of the day. For your second listen, I'm going to recommend going to listen to Locked On College Basketball because what I'm about to go do is hear what they have to say about Purdue continuing to lose basketball games after I heard all month long about how great they were. <laughs> so go check them out. It's a national college basketball show that puts out podcast episodes each day from the Locked On Podcast Network. Locked On Cougs is also a proud member of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day.